The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Barron's Live Market Watch Edition. I'm Jeremy Owens, Tech Editor and San Francisco Bureau Chief for Market Watch, and I have two guests here with me today. Joining me is my colleague John Swartz, Tech Reporter from Market Watch, as well as Lopez Research Founder and Principal Analyst Maribel Lopez. Welcome to you both. Thanks. Hi, Jeremy. Great to have all of you here joining us today. What we're going to discuss today is a couple of things, and and really it involves tomorrow's big event. Apple is going to announce its new iPhone. Now, we get a new iPhone every year, basically, so we're not going to be talking about the new iPhone as much here. We may may bring it up a little bit, but really what most of, of the tech community is looking for from Apple is the first glimpse at its next, at its virtual reality headset. augmented reality headset, mixed reality headset, whatever you want to call it. This has been in the works behind closed doors for years now. And there's thoughts that we may see it tomorrow at Apple's iPhone event, which starts at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. East Coast time. More than likely, we're just going to see some some software updates that will kind of preview what's to come. But this morning, we also had Facebook, a.k.a. Meta Platforms, Inc., announced that its big event will be October 11th. And we expect at that point to see the next Oculus virtual reality headset. And this is setting up a huge battle between the company formerly known as Facebook and the company still known as Apple for the next generation of virtual reality technology. So we're here today to talk about what that next generation of virtual reality technology will look like and the two biggest players in it, Facebook and Apple, and how they're going to compete in that. And first, we're going to start with virtual reality. And the thing to really understand about virtual reality is that it has been around a long time now, more than 20 years. It has been talked about as the next big thing in tech, and it has never gotten there. And and Apple has not jumped in because of that reason. But now it's about to, as we move into a next generation, which brings in more of the augmented reality and mixed reality type field. So I'm going to kick it to Maribel here to talk about uh, virtual reality, where it's come and where it's going, and what this next generation is going to look like after all that history. Maribel, please give us a, a little bit of background and, and talk to us about where we're headed in virtual reality. Um, okay, I mean, I think it's probably important to lay the foundation to say we've got augmented, virtual, mixed, and metaverse, right? Uh, <laughs> augmented is where we started overlaying digital and physical environment. Uh, so, you know, we've started seeing that uh, using smartphones, tablets, maybe glasses, you know, Pokemon Go, Snapchat filters, virtual makeup, uh, furniture fitting. So it's kind of in the augmented reality. Um, virtual reality is where you put yourself in the completely virtual environment using VR headsets, controllers. So we saw that in gaming, uh, esports, flight simulations. Um, mixed reality is where it starts to get a little strange because one of the things that was a challenge in virtual reality is um, there were several. You know, your first one was originally you were tethered. Now you can be in an untethered environment. Originally you had processing power issues with headsets. That's gotten a lot better. But part of the issue of being able to move around in a physical environment 
was very difficult if you can't see the physical environment. And that's where mixed reality came in. While you have some ability to sort of see through into the physical world, still overlay objects, still have that interaction that you'd want to have, that virtual reality gets you. We can take a digital object, move it, manipulate it, uh, those kinds of things. And then we've got the metaverse, which is you know, part of the title of this, which I think is where we start to create a whole entire virtual world where people can work, play, shop, and socialize. So if you ask me where VR is today, VR is trying to still get over some of the challenges of the traditional VR, making sure that you have um, a fairly reasonably priced headset with the right processing power so you don't get this thing that's sort of wonky in terms of your movement and it makes you sick, uh, things of that nature. And then we're trying to push the whole industry forward to say, okay, it's not just going to be one game. We're going to create this whole world where people can socialize with each other, uh, where we have shopping and advertising and just a new way of really having an immersive experience that's better than what we have today in VR. You know, some of the things people complain about is um, VR isn't necessarily as crisp or as real as you would like it to be. So we spent a long time in both mixed and virtual reality trying to just get the quality of the experience better. And I think traditional gaming providers are pretty good at this, but some of what we've seen in the metaverse still really lacks this notion of even the realism of the great games that we have today. We've got issues with eye tracking, facial expressions, all that stuff. So that's a quick overview of like where we are today and I think where we're trying to go. And Metaverse is really what Mark Zuckerberg has termed it. Obviously, he's renamed the company Meta Platforms Inc., right? He is he is really trying to push that idea of the Metaverse. And, and to get an idea of the Metaverse, kind of think of Roblox, right? Roblox is a, a huge thing for if you've got tweens, man, you know about Roblox or if you've had <laughs> tweens in the past few years where it's this, uh, you know, alternate reality but in a way that we are kind of more familiar with, where you log in on a laptop, usually maybe on a phone and, and you're in this other world, but it has its own currency. It has its, you know, everything is its own and you can build within there, right? Second Life is an earlier version of the, this kind of alternate reality, digital reality. And, and so again, it's not anything new. They're trying to wrap it in. Um, Zuckerberg really wants this to be called the metaverse. What Apple is calling it so far from what we see is reality OS. They, Bloomberg reported last week that they have started to um, take that name and, and, and take out trademarks on that name worldwide. And, and we think this is going to be the next big battle similar to Android versus iOS in mobile phones. And we've seen both companies kind of setting up, raring for this battle for, for months, if not years now. So, John, can you kind of talk to us about Facebook and Apple, these giant ships kind of heading toward each other in a competitive battle and, and, and what we're going to see from them when they do finally strike each other with virtual reality, we believe, sometime next year? Okay, sure. So, first of all, may I indulge you two with a brief history lesson? Is that okay? Sure. Um, go so, for it. So I went for years, I used to go to these Apple events, and Maribel still, still goes to these. And, and what happened, what was always fascinating to me about an Apple event was product aside, there was this subtext of the market Apple was pursuing and the company they were going to target for that market dominance. So this always happens, it seems, even since the launch itself of the iPhone, which in a sense uh, started the, the war with Samsung, which Apple won in the U.S., and, and kind of developed into eventually in the Apple services where they started kind of competing with the small develop, smaller developers. So typically what happens in those battles, at least, 
there were they took place kind of on a technology product design specs features landscape but i think what's going to happen with meta the company with the mixed reality war is going to be deeper more personal so that's my setup to what's going to happen between these two companies which have a just fundamentally different corporate cultures and philosophical differences about the handling of data and about privacy. So in a sense, Apple for years, starting with Steve Jobs and his ideas about privacy, and now with Tim Cook, who has been especially outspoken about and critical about Meta. Basically, what Apple and Facebook have been fighting over was basically the idea that Facebook gleans most of their revenue through advertising, and that's through the accumulation of our data, which is then kind of monetized through third parties. Apple doesn't have to do that. They can sell iPhones, they can sell peripherals, they can sell through uh, services. So in a sense, they're not beholden, so they can be super ultra critical of, of Meta. And I think what's gonna happen is we're gonna have this ultimate conflict. And again, what happens with Apple and markets is Apple usually swoops into a market after it has been established by another company, thinking about Samsung, developers, Google. They're probably, in a sense, happy that Meta's jumping with this October announcement to help establish and kind of commoditize the metaverse concept. So then Apple then can move in with their own, perhaps, headset, which has long been rumored, and then take Meta on. And I think they're not going to take them on in a technology standpoint. I think they're going to take them on personally and uh, point to them as the dangerous, evil company. And, you know, that kind of plays into the public's perception of Meta. Meta is um, looked upon with a lot of distrust versus Apple by comparison. I think Apple's gonna exploit that. And I, I mean, we can talk about it later about some of the things that Tim Cook has personally said about Meta and some of the moves that Apple has made to badly damage the company in terms of revenue and in terms of advertising, I mean, our, our colleague, Sarshana Wodinski, did a really excellent job last week of explaining that. And we can talk a little bit more about that. But again, just to step back, I think this is the next battle line for Apple. Meta is a very, very convenient uh, opponent, actually plays to every one of Apple's strengths. And I think Apple relishes the idea of going after them. And I think it's also um, Meta relishes the idea of going after Apple. I mean, talking to both these companies off the record on background, they absolutely hate each other. For sure. And, and developers have their own thoughts and feelings here, but that's really what these two companies are going to have to, to try to attract, right? You, we, we like to talk about Facebook and Apple being in a battle for the consumer. Um, it, it's just as much a battle for the developer who's going to put these games on these headsets for people to use, right? That is what Facebook and Apple are fighting for. And Facebook may give them more uh, avenues to monetization may try to support them more. Apple will probably right. take more, but let them charge more because they don't have as much of a cost-conscious consumer. They don't have the, the a lot of the advertising. But yeah, I mean, in, in, in a nutshell, we're seeing Facebook and Apple, which had polar opposite business models, now kind of drifting toward each other. You know, Apple has cut off Facebook's access and is starting to build its own advertising uh, department, and especially with local ads, which is what Shoshana reported last week, while Facebook is trying to develop this hardware business where it will also get the services and the software and, and try to take a cut as well. Right. There's one thing I just wanted to quickly mention. Both companies are going to mention the regulatory issues that the others face. So, for instance, the FTC is uh, challenging Facebook's uh, acquisition of a VR company called Within, and Apple's going to Apple's going to mention that. On the flip side, 
Meta is going to mention the rumored Department of Justice action against, mm -hmm. perhaps against Apple and how it treats developers through the Apple services. And then they're also going to mention the Epic and the Google lawsuits, uh, the, excuse me, the Epic lawsuit against, against Apple and the way it treated that game maker. So you're going to, they're going to use the perceived weaknesses on the regulatory fronts and actions against one another as part of their campaigns. You know, one of the things I think yeah. is really interesting that Jeremy brought up, though, is this whole discussion about um, what's the business model for Apple going to look like? Are they going to continue to try mm -hmm. to take similar percentages that they have in the past for the app ecosystem? And is that going to fly in 2023? I'm not sure that that's going to fly the way it used to. Now, there's just growing and growing um, opposition to that. And I think in a sense, you know, Apple did win 90% of its case against Epic, but the one area that it's most vulnerable on is, is what you mentioned. Um, and that's not gonna go away. And I think that's what the DOJ is gonna look into is this, these commission fees and the, uh, the idea that you can't have your own payment system um, on the Apple services platform. So that, that's gonna dog them. And maybe Meta sees a, a kind of an opening there to appeal to developers. For sure. And I think developers have voiced their anger. We did see in that Apple versus Epic uh, landmark antitrust suit that judges were like, so Apple just gets to decide to take 30% of everybody's money. We can't say anything about it. That seems kind of messed up. And, and it does seem kind of messed up, but we're going to, nobody's been able to step in and do anything about it to this point. Um, now, I would like to request everybody listening to us today, thank you for joining us, to, to toss in some questions for us to answer. We have a, a question from Nanik. What is the biggest technology hurdle curtailing the growth of the metaverse and how far are we from overcoming it? And I feel like there's a few different answers to that. Maribel, do, do you have your favorite answer to, the, to that question? Uh, God, it's hard to pick one. I mean, <laughs> one, is, one right now is uh, supply chain. Uh, that I think will resolve itself, but not for a couple of years. But then the second is the cost in general to keep the uh, headsets low, but also for developers to develop software outside of gaming where there's some really obvious monetary uh, impact that you can see right away. There's revenue in other areas to just build a metaverse. What's the ROI going to be on that versus the developer cost? For sure. Uh, Facebook is uh, expected to charge double for its next headset, which again, we, we expect to see October 11th in, in an event that was announced this morning. Um, they're working on something called P Project Cambria, which is supposed to be the, the next generation and, and take us technologically farther. What we want to know if we see there is, is what's called pass-through lenses. And I think that's the big tech that we want to see is the ability to be in virtual reality, be in another reality, but then be able to also see through and become augmented or mixed reality. The, the ability to have an untethered headset that's technologically capable of producing both virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, both from a developer uh, situation, both from a, a consumer uh, viewpoint, if you're able to come out with that and make it affordable and convince developers to develop for that device, that could be, that is what people are talking about as the metaverse, right? Mm -hmm. The ability to, to see, to, to be in a virtual situation, be in an augmented si uh, situation, be in a mixed reality situation with the same device without too much hassle or problem. That's really what we're seeing. And, and we're looking at least a couple of years down the road, right? We expect the first Apple device to be pure virtual reality 
for now because they've had some some difficulty developing that type of tech. And we'll really see if they come out with a, a set of glasses or their second headset that kind of gets into more of the augmented and mixed. But again, that Apple has actually developed in its labs, which we may tomorrow or we may later in the year, early next year. You know, what's really interesting is like when, when Apple, I mean, this has been going on for years, right? I mean, Apple talking about AR, the AR toolkit, the infamous AR toolkit, right? They, they cart that out several years ago, five, six years ago. And one of the shortcomings, I think, of mixed reality or whatever you want to call it is just the lack of apps, especially enterprise side. And Apple would have the same application they would show as a gaming app of AR. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of the first year it was interesting. By the second year, it's like, okay. Uh, they would do this at the WWDC. So I always think of that as a stumbling. And, you know, given their relationship with developers, that's another thing to take into account is how um, open are, are re receptive are the developers to, to working with Apple with their relation, relationship at kind of at a, at a bad time, bad issue. Actually, can I just weigh in on that? Because that's a that's a really good point in a couple of levels. Um, the enterprise. So, so we've had pass through. It's not new per se, uh, but it was in the Hololens. Those devices were showing up at thirty five hundred dollars. That's like a rent payment in San Francisco, right? So this is not a cheap device, right? Uh, what we're looking at here is the ability to, and, and they sold a fair amount into enterprise use cases for very specific ROIs. You know, you wanna do remote training, remote field service, uh, factory work, but that is not a garden variety price. There's a long way between a $3,500 device and a you know $350 device. And, you know, even at a thousand bucks, we're really talking about um, a lot of technology advancement to get us to a production space where we can produce mass produce those at a low cost I, i'm not even seeing this in factories right now there's some talk about samsung and microsoft doing another version of the hololens uh, that actually could get them to scale at a much better uh, price point with people that know how to do that kind of volume manufacturing but it's still suspect to even see uh, what meta is going to do with this or even apple and i know we talked about the m1 being you, one of the M chips being used in this new headset. So maybe that gets us over the processing power, but not over that lens issue that Jeremy's mentioned, that John's mentioned. And not over the price issue as well. I, I Again, I feel like I, I'm in a cycle now where I hear the same thing every three to five years where there's this new headset coming out and it's going to change the virtual reality game and it's going to cost four digits and then no consumers really buy it. But there are companies out there that will buy those and say, you know, we, we could really use these to train our pilots or our engineers on the front line of, of oil fields. Right. And, and, and we've got people out there on the oil field, people who really know what they're doing with it back at, at headquarters can put on a, a headset, see what the employee is seeing. And they're much more willing to pay thousands of dollars for that headset and put their own developers on developing the solutions they need, which is a lot easier for these companies to deal with than trying to convince a third party developer to develop a game or an experience for their device. There is one thing that could happen that could be kind of interesting that I don't think anybody's talking about, and that's thinking differently about a subsidization model. Let's say you're somebody like LVMH and you want to create an amazing virtual reality experience. It's effectively an ad for your product. Is this an opportunity for you to sponsor somebody 
uh, sponsor basically consumers to get these types of lenses. You know, we saw telcos in the past uh, basically subsidize smartphones. This is something where they're going to start to subsidize VR headsets. That's an opportunity, but I still think we're a little ways away from that. You know, we are, but we definitely. Oh, go ahead, John. Oh no, I say you know what I always keep thinking about is a sense of urgency at Meta and diversifying into virtual reality since they are 99% dependent on advertising. I just wonder what the timeline is on what, how they make that pivot because increasingly they're under this pressure from Apple, whether it be their iOS, uh, ATT, app tracking transparency, which makes it difficult or inhibits Facebook's ability to track and monetize customer consumers. I mean, that, that wiped out $10 billion in revenue. So in a sense, you know, they, they, need, they, they need to move into another more diverse type of revenue, but I wonder how soon that's going to happen. And the fact that Apple not only has hurt them with local advertising, but is now um, kind of escalating that by introducing advertising into um, uh, the iPhones and, and, and kind of going more after Meta than previously. So I'm just wondering just about the internal pressure to make this pivot as difficult as it, as it is, you know, how quickly do they need to do this? No I, doubt, John, I, especially I, from a revenue perspective, you right, know, the revenue is right. trending down. You, you've got to find one trending up to make up for it. Right. I mean, I think with, I think there are, uh, I think according to facts at uh, about $120 billion business for Meta this year, but that was before their last quarter. And, um, you know, they're, they are in trouble. They're, they're in trouble and Apple knows it and they've kind of exploited that. And you know that Apple sees a $40 billion, perhaps higher uh, venue or revenue from advertising, and they are going to, if they can not only gain that, but also hurt their hated competitor, they're going to escalate that as fast as possible. And it looks like they are becoming more aggressive about uh, more ads in integrated into the iPhone environment. Quick, what's being done to combat motion sis and other medical complaints when many people use the oculus uh, maribel that's that's mostly just putting in some new technology to make sure you feel comfortable and and also on the developer for the different games as well correct i, I think the this is where we get into the chipset discussion right so the original mm -hmm. the original versions were fundamentally underpowered one because the chips weren't available but uh two because they're expensive now we have an option to have available chip well i should say we have the option to have the technology it still comes at quite a high cost and it still comes with a supply chain issue right now. So those are some of the things that I think we need to work through to get over that hurdle of the, ooh, I'm feeling motion sickness. And that was John who asked that. Thank you, John. Um, I do want to bring up the iPhone really fast. I mean, this is Apple's biggest moneymaker. It is one of the most popular consumer electronics in the world. And we will get a view of the new iPhone 14 uh, tomorrow um we expect and 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 what do we expect from it i mean it seems like every year we we get hyped up for the new iphone reveal and then we come away saying it's got a slightly better camera and and the services have been updated and and there's nothing much else are we going to have that this year do we see any other uh additions or changes that are going to be worthwhile to talk about well we've got the notch versus the pill shape we've got the potential satellite uh which could be interesting for your outdoor enthusiasts and your first responders um, 
you know, we're going to have better camera. We're going to have better battery life. There's going to be some updates to the operating system that could be interesting. You know, much of what was being discussed around reality OS is, is viewed as coming out in this edition of the iPhone versus actually having the headset. Maybe we'll all be dramatically surprised and there'll be like this amazing virtual reality headset with pass through that gets announced uh, tomorrow. That would be awesome, but uh, doubtful. I don't know, John, what do you think? So, I always, or I, I should, I should color this. I used to go into these events, and you know, you get caught up in the hype bubble, right? And then you walk away and say, okay, incrementally better phone, right? More storage space. Uh, here's a little tweak for the design. Here's a new color, right? And <laughs> yeah. I, I would laugh. I mean, kind of laugh it off. New price point. I would laugh it off, and then I would kind of dismiss it. And yet, you know what? These things would sell incredibly well because Apple knew its customer as well as anyone, and it knew exactly how to appeal to them so they would own their their five or six iphones and it was always a success and i was always wrong when i would dismiss it as something that was kind of underwhelming so i think regardless of whatever they announce it'll be a huge success um it would be interesting if they did do something because when was the last time you went to an apple event and were sincerely surprised you know, where you walked away saying wow i didn't expect that I mean, that yeah. rarely happens. And I think that's part of the Cook CEO stewardship. It's like very steady bean counter, say, if you will, kind of very efficiently run. There's there's no you know, sizzle or pizzazz there. It's almost scripted to the point where you know exactly what they're going to say and when they're going to say it. You can actually time it like the 37-minute mark. This will happen. Um, mm -hmm. The job there is an air of unpredictability, and he was very good at keeping secrets for the most part. Um, so, and again, it's, it's kind of like this rote announcement, but it's always successful. I've never seen a group of reporters so spellbound by anything in my life, and I still am trying to figure that out. Somebody should do a psychological study about that, by the way. Yeah. Uh, well, which is you know, very strange. You, you, you brought up something really interesting that I think we as technologists kind of undervalue, and that's that there are incremental changes that matter to real people. Yes. Like we're looking for the big bang, like, you're going to change it like Samsung did with the foldables, right? But the reality is people want a better camera. They want better battery life. They just want things to work better than they did before. And, and they're okay with that. And by the way, the color, I actually have been um, playing around with the Samsung Bora Purple uh, Z Flip and, you know, a beautiful Galaxy Fold. And I got to tell you, colors also matter to consumers. Smartphones are expressive devices. And I, I think that, you know, we could see some interesting color options from Apple that would make some people happy. I absolutely love that purple phone. I'm just saying. So I could see how for some people that matters. Right, exactly. Yeah, you talk about getting incrementally better. And I, I think one thing that they continue to get incrementally better about every year, which we have to stand back and look at from a, a, a higher horizon, is really making that ecosystem all work together really well. That's true. We're going to get this, especially when we get this new VR headset slash AR headset, the ability to have that work with the Apple Watch, to have that work with the iPhone, to have that work with your Mac, the, this ability to go from device to device and pick up exactly where you left off. Um, you know, when we eventually get to full augmented mixed reality, when you're just creating screens in front of you through your glasses and typing on a virtual screen, you know, if you maybe picking that up from your Mac laptop that's back in your office, but you want to be able to pick up from the exact same place. You may be picking up from your iPhone, you, you know, all of these things. That's really the goal Apple is working toward. And, and every large technology company, Google would love to have that, 
right? And, and, and Microsoft would love to have that. They've all talked about this concept of making sure you can pick up and drop off at any point with different devices and bring it all back together. And Apple really is the closest to offering that right now um in a seamless manner and it feels like every year that is is a huge element within this where they're talking about all their services together all their hardware working together in that seamless fashion and they continue to get there bit by bit year by year and continue to improve and also the thing is is that what apple's doing incremental improvement is no different than what most successful businesses do you think about it like disney would always add a feature at disney world or disneyland ESPN would always have a rollout every year. Sometimes it was incremental. Sometimes it was fairly big. Uh, even like baseball parks, like Dodger Stadium was famous where they were <laughs> they would do a little different thing or they would add an element or improve something. And it, I mean, it works. So in a sense, I think we put this unfair burden on Apple to wow us because we were used to the old days, the glory years, like that 10-year period where they were just nothing but golden. And I think it's kind of an unfair, unfair expectation we have out of the company. Unfortunately, I hang out at the Oakland Coliseum, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I new was features or, that, or... <laughs> yeah. uh, um, Maribel, any any final thoughts on what we might see tomorrow, what we might see from Facebook, and just in general where we're headed with virtual reality before we wrap this up? We didn't talk about the watch. There's some opportunities to do improvement on the watch in terms of sensors, in terms of um, uh, maybe a larger uh, screen watch. Uh, in terms of uh, Meta, I mean, I wouldn't count them out. They basically, they're going to push the next wave of these headsets. They're the person we're going to see it from first. We're not going to, arguably, I don't think we're going to see it from Apple first. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but if they do that and they can get it to the point where it, the immersion really does feel better and it's not at a price point that breaks the bank, They've got a good, you know, six month run to try to sign up advertisers who are extremely excited about this as a concept. So I actually am really looking forward to the October event to see what they have next. You know, most of us in the tech industry kind of poo poo the metaverse. But having said that, metaverse, omniverse, whatever you want to call it, there is a market for it. And I think Facebook is very slash meta is very interested in making that happen. Before we go, let's just answer a couple more uh, listener questions. Steve Wu asks, is Meta's version of the metaverse realistic? I've heard many criticisms that we will not all want to strap on a clunky headset and watch avatars without legs talk to each other. Is there an even more enticing, exciting, enticing version of metaverse that we haven't thought of? Thanks. I mean, again, we're very early on in what Facebook is trying to do. But yes, the, their version of, of this you know, interactive place to hang out in the metaverse does kind of look like bad Wii graphics um, at this point. But th that's the thing is, is they can't tell if we have legs, right? We don't have sensors on our legs. We put sensors in our hands. We have sensors on our head, right? And these are some of the technological achievements. And will people even care, right? And, I mean, when we're on Slack and some of these other areas, like how much of that is actual us and, and, and how much it, it's going to depend. And we need people to get in and use it. it, it it's, it's, it's cart before the horse on this a little bit. Do we need to get the software better before the people come in or when the people come in, will that help make the software better? And they'll be able to give the feedback um, that, that helps to develop that software farther and, and where it needs to go for the users. I think that's really the question is, are they going to be able to attract with what they have now and help to develop? Or are they going to have to develop before they can attract and i think that's the larger question from a revenue perspective from from in terms of can these companies turn this into a big money maker that's the biggest question of all steve anybody else 
Uh, I got one comment. Um, there's a big difference between serious gamers and casual gamers. And casual gamers actually are much better with it being a simpler interface and a simpler experience. And I think that for to try to drive mass appeal, this is one of the debates that I think Meta has been having. It's like, how far do we go to it being a very rich immersive experience versus something that is just perceived as easy for everyone to get into and everyone to navigate and use? And I don't know the answer to that question. As a technologist, I really think it should look better. But in terms of um, mass appeal, maybe it's good enough right now. And maybe the issue is you could spend all this time building something amazing and no one cares. Or you could get people on it and try to figure out what they really want and go there. And that actually may in fact be a better strategy if you can get people over the initial hurdle. And if you look at Facebook, that wasn't no great shakes from a portal at the beginning either. And it turned out to be amazing for a lot of people. So this could be another one of those examples where it's like, okay, there's obviously been a battle with change in management um, in that company to say some people view it as X and some people view it as Y. So we'll see where it's going. Yeah, I made fun of the the Wii look of their Metaverse product, but the Wii brought in a lot more people than than like PlayStation and, and Xbox did. It, it did welcome a lot of women and children that probably did not feel comfortable in that more immersive space that, that those other two consoles offered. And the Wii came along and said, no, this is just fun. We'll play some tennis, man. Put this in your hand and swing it. It's, it's a good time. And, and it actually welcomed people in that may not have felt welcomed in by the, the other options they had. Okay, are we? Uh, I think that's going to be it, guys. We're past uh, half past the hour now. I've been doing this for half an hour. I really do appreciate everything, everybody checking in um, and, and everybody listening. And, and we'll be back again soon. That's all the time we have today. I do want to thank John and Mari Bell. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you listen to our next episode tomorrow. We'll have Financial News Deputy Editor Trista Kelly chatting with short seller Carson Block on meme stocks, ESG, and fraud hunting in China how he plays these wobbly markets, and how to spot a market dud to sell short. In addition, please join John, myself, uh, and the rest of Market Watch for the Best New Ideas and Money Festival on September 21st and 22nd in New York City. Please see the chat box for more information. Thank you again for listening. Stay safe and have a great day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.